I'm Kevin Hillier. Welcome to the Legal Minefield podcast, a podcast that gives you direct access to a man with decades of experience in the legal profession. That man is John Mellier. You can contact him directly via our email address, info.thelegalminefield at gmail.com. It's that simple. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Legal Minefield podcast. John, welcome. Lovely to catch up with you again. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Kevin. Um, nice to see you again. Um, we're just working hard as always. We're probably the only two people still left in Australia because from what I can gather, uh, the stories I'm seeing is that everyone uh, for this school holidays uh, has, has, taken, uh, has taken flight and if not travelling internally in Australia is, is jetting off overseas because it's a good time to go. Correct, and I've, there's a lot of people that are uh, headed over. I've seen a lot of people that have come in to do their wills at the last minute because they're going overseas for like not not for a couple of weeks, for like a few months. So, yeah. you know, they're getting everything in order and doing all that stuff. So, yeah, everyone's overseas. Well, that's a really interesting point to to, to kick us off before you go on an overseas holiday of any of any description, whether it's you know a week, a month, or a year, or whatever it is. What, what are the sorts of things that you should make sure are in place back here in your home country before you, you, you jet off somewhere else? So, so before you go, you should make sure you've got a will or an up-to-date will yep. um, with how your wishes are. Um, even though they say airline travel is as safe as safer than getting in a car, um, you know, things can happen. Things can go wrong. Um, even when you're travelling, things can happen, natural disasters, situations. Um, so people, you know, you should get your will in place and um, certainly if not, um, if you need someone to step in and do things for you while you're overseas, so for example, you might be in the middle of um, signing paperwork or contracts or buying a house or doing something, um, legally you need a power of attorney to do that mm-hmm. and you need to get your attorney to, to be able to do that. So you need to get that in order before you go. So they can do everything for you while you're away, having your holiday. Otherwise, when you come back, you're going to have a headache. Are there are there things that um, when you go overseas, before you go overseas, uh, you know, things like your loans and all those sorts of things, are they are they all covered while, while you're in another country? Or is there any issue yeah, with so, that? Yes, so, so no issues with that, provided you make your repayments. <laughs> if you stop making your repayments, <laughs> well, like everyone else, there's a problem. <laughs> and um, there'll be default notices and issues and then eventually the bank will step in and try and sell the property um, if you don't make continue to make payments or make arrangements. But um, it's just pretty much you make sure while you're away you pay all your things while you're overseas. And with the internet, mobile banking, it's not a problem. I was going to say, given that we live in a global community now and, and uh, you're a computer away from, no matter where you are, you're only a computer link away from, from your bank or from all those institutions, what are things like traffic fines and, uh, and things like that if they, if they turn up? Is being overseas an excuse or not? Um, it can be used as an excuse, provided you've got evidence of your trip. So, for example, your um, flight itinerary or your tick copy of your tickets and your bookings. And um, where you've stayed overseas, you could use that and try and rely on that to get the decision reversed. So, look, I would have paid the fine if I was here. I didn't know it was coming. I didn't know I had one. I was overseas. Here's the proof. Here's my airline ticket. Here's my itinerary. Um, please review the decision and that, that can happen. That should happen. 
things like um, payments to to ex-wives and husbands and uh, and children, all that. Being overseas is no excuse in that situation. No, no, no excuse. So if there's a court order in place for payments to be made or orders in place for payments to be made to other people, you have to make sure you comply with those orders. Otherwise, you will be in breach of those orders. And if you continue to be in breach of those orders, then the court here can make another order to say you're in breach. And so, for example, um, if you breach, say, a family law order, you can have issues with um, being in contempt of court and the order. You can eventually be arrested when you return back and brought before the court. So, so, so you in need that, to make sure you deal with that. In that situation, you're not arrested overseas. They wait until you return to the country and then... Correct. When you return, they'll have a, a watch thing for you and um, you'll be arrested and taken before the court that you weren't... Um, where you breached the order and they'll deal with that. Is that a common occurrence or not common occurrence or...? Not, not, not very common because most people do what they need to do. Most people understand that if they breach an order... They will get hauled before the courts and another order made. If it's a criminal case and you don't make um, provision, say get a lawyer to represent you and explain that you're overseas for work, um, a magistrate will accept that and rebook the hearing for when you return. But if you don't do that, then the magistrate can actually go ahead and make the full order that you committed the offence that you were alleged to be charged with and sent out a warrant for your arrest. So when you turn up at the airport to come back, you'll get arrested and either imprisoned or go before the courts to deal with it. Okay. Um, the uh, the doing a runner is obviously a much harder thing to do these days than it probably was 30 or 40 years ago. It is. It's hard to do a runner and um, effectively there are some people that have, in family, some family law cases that I know of, they have gone overseas and left everything and turn their back on everything, but their intention is they'll never come back to Australia. Yeah. They don't want to come back to Australia. Yeah. So that's that's exactly the issue. So it's a lot of people uh, we mentioned leaving uh, leaving this country now and, and travelling overseas, and for many it's the first time ever and, and first time in a long time given, you know, COVID locking us down and stuff. Has um, a lot changed in the last four or five years for people to be aware of when they do leave this country to go wherever it yeah, is? So- so they should be aware of the following. When you leave Australia, you step foot on an overseas, on the, on the soil of an overseas country, you are required to follow the rules and laws of that country. The rules and laws of Australia do not apply. You are bound by whatever the law is in that country. So, for instance, if the law there says you can't bring drugs into the country, then you can't bring drugs into the country. If the law says you are not allowed to, um, you know, hurt or assault someone while you're there, then you'll face the consequences of whatever that country's laws and rules are. So effectively, you, you can't rely on the fact that you're an Australian citizen. You will be prosecuted under their legislation and laws. So, for example... Um, unfortunately, as we know what's happened in Bali a few times, mm. people who've done drug trafficking have been executed, um, unfortunately, and, and that's because it's their rule, their rule of law in their country, and you have to be careful of 
where you're going and have some idea of what the sort of rules and laws are when you turn up there. Um, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade has a good website, the DFAT site, which tells you about countries to be aware of doing things and what things are dangerous, etc. So it's a good idea to look at that before you travel. But the, 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 the key premise is you need to be wary of whatever the rules and laws are for that particular country. Yep. So where you're going, whatever the law is, you have to comply with over there. And, Not what and, the law is in Australia, but what is it, what it's over there. And to, to be smart enough to know that Europe is a whole lot of different countries, Asia is a whole lot of different countries, and each has a, a, a separate set of rules. Um, you know, there are some very strict laws in Singapore about uh, behaviour and all those things that I know a lot of Australians have been caught, caught with over the years. Yes, and, and again, you can't. Um, rely on the fact that you're an Australian citizen and should be facing Australian law because Australian law doesn't apply over there. The only thing you can do is seek to get help from the Australian consulate and embassy in the particular each country to try and help you and assist you and assist you with fi- uh, finding appropriate legal assistance in that country. Is there is there a lot of uh, that sort of uh, legal assistance available to Australians when they when they travel overseas? If you um, go to the con- consulate, I, be I believe I believe through the consulate they do they can arrange that and organise that for people, and they do a lot of that stuff. They step they step in a lot of times to try and sort things out if they can. Um, depends on how serious or the nature of the crime that's been committed. The but thing they we- will always try and assist Australians around the world if there's a consular there or a consulate, an Australian embassy, they will help. But at a charge, I would assume, uh, and, and I would assume that, I, that lawyers I'm, overseas charge equally as much as we do here. Yeah, the lawyer, the lawyers will charge, and you, you'll have to pay out of your own pocket and afford that. So if you can't afford that, then there'll be issues for you. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, yes, if you um, are travelling overseas, you just need to be mindful of that, that you are under the laws and rules and regulations of that country. And there's no kind of extradition if you are a drug runner in uh, into Thailand or into, into you know, Washington or wherever, um, you'll be tried by that country, in that yep. country, and there'll be no kind of, oh, can I go to Australia and they try me there? No, no, you'll be tried in that company, uh, country and you'll be jailed or imprisoned in that country if you're found guilty. Yeah. And that's where you'll spend your sentence and when you finish your sentence... Um, you'll be sent back home, yep. deported back home. That's how it'll work. Um, and we have the same situation here. Yep. We, we do that with overseas people who commit offences and that are jailed, and when they finish their term of imprisonment, they're immediately deported back to where they came from. And ignorance is no form of no defence. Yeah. No, no excuse, no defence. Yep. So, and that's been used for – that's been attempted a lot of times by people and Australians who are caught out. And it doesn't work for them, unfortunately. The only thing that Australians can be mindful is that we have, um, like everywhere else in the in the world, we have our um, you know human rights. So basic human rights do apply and should apply. And if those things are being breached by that country when they're dealing with you, then that's a whole separate issue. And that issue and that issue should be dealt with by the government. When you get into situations with medical areas and and those, where, where does the legal 
side of that sit. And we know, you know, that uh, uh, medical um, help in America is hideously expensive and all those things, uh, which you, which your travel agent tells you about and, and, and we're schooled enough now to know how these things work. Um, is, is there legal ramifications in some of those areas? Um, no, it's basically um, a great example is America. You pay for your health and treatment. So effectively, while you're there, you need to be able to front up the money to pay for the treatment or you need to have travel insurance. Everyone should have travel insurance. If you don't have travel insurance, you're silly. You shouldn't travel. It's it's the one key piece you need with you wherever you go in the world. So, for example, in America, um, I went one year. I was unwell. I had to get medical help and see a doctor. Um, you know, oh, I was, was was out of pocket nearly 10K. Oh, yeah, and I had to come up with it then and there um, to get the treatment. I then had to make the claim with the travel insurance and then eventually the travel insurance when I got back home eventually settled the that and reimbursed me. But um, it takes time and you have to be able to do that. So, um, it, it, you know, you, you'll be responsible and liable for the fees in the bill. And if you don't have the money to pay up, you won't get treated. You won't get help unless you're, you know, um, in a serious situation where you're practically on death deathbed, death on your deathbed, they'll have to step in. But again, you won't be going home unless you've got some arrangement to pay that. And they'll do things like try and keep your passport, from, take your passport from you, and um, organise to um, be paid until the insurance company sorts it out. The passport has always been the, you know, the international. Let let's get out of here. How how important is it to know who can and can can't take your passport, when they can and can't take your passport, and what you need to do to defend your right to keep that passport? Effectively, the only people that will have the right to take your passport are the police of that country who are dealing with you because you committed some sort of an offence or when you land at the airport and the immigration authorities stop you for some reason and they can hold your passport because they have the right to do that. Apart from that, you should not be giving your passport to anyone else or allowing it to go. It's a legal document. It's basically your, um, like a ticket to get into a country. Yep more or less, and effectively you need to make sure you watch that with your passport. But immigration authorities can withhold it at the airport or in a particular country or the police or government, but not anyone else. They shouldn't be allowed to take or keep your passport. The, um, the the passport's important, but visas are also incredibly important. I know I know people who've got off the plane in America and had the wrong visa and they've put them in the thing and said, you're going straight back because you have the wrong visa. Um, yeah. How does that happen in this day and age, for goodness sake? It, it, it does still happen, happens a lot. If you don't get the right visa, you can't get into the country. And, um, for example, in America, before you leave, your travel agent will tell you you've got to jump online and get a, a visa. You pay $100 and you put everything online and they issue you one. Other countries, like I think for Great Britain, um we have some sort of um, reciprocal arrangement now, I think. Um, but if you're, if you're from another country, you have to go to the British embassy or consulate or there's a, 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 um, there are people in the city, for example, for um, 
people who want to go to, say, Denmark or um, to Britain, they will take and do all the electronic um, ID checks and identity sourcing that those countries and consulates require to give you a visa. So they're like agents that are approved by those countries. So you pay your two, three hundred dollars, you get all your checks done, you to say here you are, your birth certificate, passport, everything. They validate it electronically for the consulate. Then once that's done, the consulate looks at it and considers to give you a visa. Mm. So you have to go through all that. If you don't do that, you you'll be sent home as soon as you land. All right. So as much as it's nice to be able to do it yourself, it's also it might be a fairly good idea to have it checked by someone. It's a good idea to check with someone, check with your travel agent or get onto the website for um, the country and the embassy of that country to see what the requirements are. Um, uh, worst case scenario, you're in a you're in a country. Um, uh, now, the Australian government do travel advisories all the time and, and they'll make advisories to people not to travel in certain areas. If you're stuck in a case, if you get caught in a country and all of a sudden it becomes a war zone or whatever, um, where, where do you sit in that situation, John? Is that- in, that, in, that, in that situation, it's, it's up. It's the duty of the government to get you out, help get you out okay. as an Australian citizen and, and to try their best efforts to get you out. Um, unfortunately, um, that has happened um, to some Australians around mm. the world and um, it's always been a matter for the government to deal with in an emergency situation or a war situation. Yeah. Um, and it's the same as if there's a natural disaster, etc. cetera. Um, the government always sends... Um, in those circumstances, flights or whatever, people on the ground to help find the Australian citizens and bring them home. And that, that's a requirement, I think, that they do that. There's, there's no specific law, but there's a requirement that Australians expect the government to do that, and the government does do that. Yeah. Um, we, we know how the legal system works in this country, and we see a lot in on television and documentaries and those sorts of things about how it works in other countries around the world, particularly in America. Um is there is there any any kind of um, one area that that you know of where Aussies are being caught out and and need to be mindful when they go overseas? Now, um, certainly when they go overseas to, for example, to Thailand, um, Bali, or Singapore, need to be wary of the, the very strict uh, laws regarding drug use, um, bringing drugs in and out of the country. Um, in Singapore for public disorder, um, spitting even in the street. Yeah, chewing gum, all those sorts of silly things, gum, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to be where you've got to understand that that, that can cause you an issue uh, and put you in jeopardy. And um, certainly in America, um, the key advice with America is always speak to a lawyer when something happens to you over there. See a lawyer that's over there. Um, they generally have as part of their, their rights that they give to people. Um, to provide a lawyer for the public defender's office in whatever state or county or territory in America, and you need to get that legal help because their system is is vastly different to ours. And if you don't do it, you could end up getting um, put through the system and jailed. Yeah. Uh, one little point. Medicinal cannabis, now that that is a thing, um, and, uh, you know, everyone from former AFL coaches through into whoever now now take it as a legitimate form of medicine. Um, how does that go when you whack it in your kit bag and take it with you overseas? So, one, you'd have to have a letter from your doctor or the prescriber, um, which you have to do with anyone who's taking medication overseas should have a letter that, that 
it's addressed with the letterhead and doctor's qualifications that the immigration people can call and find out to confirm that. Yep. Second of all, um, you can only really take that stuff to countries that have the law that allows for medicinal cannabis. So if you bring that into a country that doesn't allow for medicinal cannabis, they're likely to seize that at the airport and throw it away. But if you go to countries now, um, you know, so for example, in um, American LA, it's legalized. Yep. Um, you know, fine, they won't have a problem as long as you've got the letter from the doctor, fine. Yep. But in countries where it's not legal, and it's not legalized for use as medicinal for medicinal purposes, you will not be permitted to bring that in. Yeah, I guess the, um, the the rule of thumb with all this stuff is make sure you have all your all your paperwork done uh, and have that with you, and and make sure you know where you're going and, and what you're walking into in 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 a country situation. Correct, Kevin. That's what you need to know. You need to know where you're going and what you're walking into, and and effectively. Um, you know, just just understand what what the country's like where you're going to. If you've got that in in the back of your mind, you'll be fine. The reverse for people who come to this country is: uh, are we a good country legally with people from overseas we, who come here? We we are a very good country. So as we've always <laughs> talked about in all the podcasts, everyone has the same sort of rights: presumption of innocence yeah. until proven guilty, um, etc. The only issues that are different are with people with immigration matters. So, for example, if they don't have the proper visa that they're coming into Australia or they think there's something wrong, they'll be put in a detention centre until it's worked out or flown back home. So that's where we're, we're, we're very different in that regard. But uh, criminally, if there's something, you commit an offence, etc., well, you'll have the same um, laws as we all do that we face in the state of Victoria. Yeah. John, as always... Good tips, good advice, and uh, very, very, very good knowledge. Thank you, sir. That's all right. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much. And we'll just sit in our little abodes here in Melbourne and not go anywhere. And be nice and happy. <laughs> Watch the grand final. Absolutely. Good on you, John. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. See you. If you have a question, by all means send it to info.thelegalminefield at gmail.com. We'd be more than happy to hear from you. And any other comments you have, please share them on our Facebook page or send us an email. Till the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier.